You're listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kamajis, a licensed clinical social worker with a multi-state online therapy practice. I have a passion for empowering women and mom therapists to break free of the fear, overwhelm, and oppressive systems that hold them back from taking action and building the private practice of their dreams. My goal is for you to boldly believe in yourself as a clinician and business owner. If you're looking for a place to learn practice building strategy and skill while also claiming your own power as a woman and a therapist, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Raise to Empower podcast. My guest today is Noreen Vanderhoeven. She's an LCSW and brings over 36 years of experience in guiding individuals towards resilience, healing, and personal growth. As a practice owner, speaker, wife, and mother, she understands the delicate balance between responsibilities and self-care. Besides hosting retreats, Noreen is an EMDR consultant and focuses on working with complex trauma, suicide loss survivors, and therapists experiencing their own trauma or secondary trauma. Noreen's mission is to share her wisdom and provide a lifeline for those seeking balance, creativity, and resilience fostering a supportive community of growth for all. Noreen enjoys spending the weekends and time off with her husband, two dogs, and their three grown kids when they're in town. Noreen, thank you for being here today. I'm excited to get to chat with you. Thanks. I'm excited as well. I always start off by asking my guests their story of how they got to this profession and then where they are in either private practice or if they're in agency work. So for listeners who don't know you, share with us again, like your journey to, to this field. So um, my mom went back to school to be a social worker when I was in, I guess, middle school, probably. Cause she, so she graduated with her MSW when I graduated high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I just kind of saw her journey and I I loved working with kids. My bachelor's was in child development um, with a minor in psych. And I knew I wanted to do something in that field. And I really wasn't sure what, but the more I saw her in what she was doing, she originally worked in a residential treatment center Mm. Um, she worked in the locked ward with teen girls. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is like probably 50, no, like 40 something years ago. And so at that time, the struggles and the issues that they had were certainly not like they are in today's society. Sure. Suicidality was around, but it wasn't so prevalent as it was. Um, yeah. Same with self-injurious behavior. So like none of that was present. Um, so when I graduated college, I decided I want to also go into social work because it's such a broad field and you can do yeah. so much with it. Um, but at that time, so I graduated in 1987, that it wasn't like social workers went into private practice. Social workers went into agency work. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of all I knew, you know. And so in agency work, I worked also with teens and families um, and in nonprofits for my yeah. entire career, really, until 2015. Um, well, let me stop. In the middle of this, I took a 10-year break 
to stay oh, home okay. with the kids. Because um, at the time we just had the two boys and I thought, you know what, if I'm having a third kid, I do not want to work. Like I really want to be present for my kids. Yeah. And when I had the two boys, I was able to work four days. So I was able to spend, you know, like one full day in their you know, classroom or doing whatever with them. Sure. Um, my schedule was pretty flexible overall. So I went back just because we needed to. My husband got laid off from his job and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going back to work. Yeah. Not thinking I would ever do social work again. I swear when I left, you know, 10 years prior and um, you thought you were leaving the profession at that point. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a stay at home mom and I was happy doing that. And I did some contract work at the time when I first left, um, when my daughter was up to a year old, I did it, um, just some assessment stuff, yeah, which was fine. It was a few hours a week. But then when I had to start looking for a job, I started looking for like a clinician job and everyone kind of said to me, you're overqualified to do this. It's like really great that you want to do this, but you'd best be served in a supervisor role. So I went to go and I did not know what I was getting into is I was a clinical supervisor for a 24 um, seven teen crisis response. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a mobile response team where we would go anywhere within our county to provide um, assessments or, you know, suicidality, homicidality or gravely disabled. And we had the ability to put these kids on a, you know, on a three day hold. So it was intense. I was on call literally 24 seven because if I wasn't going out, my clinicians were going out and they would call me at three o'clock in the morning. And even during that period, the reason I even got more into the suicide field was because I saw that everybody was assessing people differently. No, there was no rhyme or reason really. And it was Mm kind of chaotic in that sense. And I I just don't feel that people were well enough educated. And the American Association of Suicidology came to LA that year. So I told my boss, I'm like, we got to go to this. And so we went and I learned that I knew nothing, (laughs) that these people were like so cutting edge everything. And so from that, I like really got involved and I got on their board. Um, I don't know, like five years later, I became the chair of the Youth Suicide Prevention Committee. I did that for three years. And we did an amazing project in Columbus for the Boys and Girls Club um, with their, they have a hospital that has a big, huge unit for kids. And um, I think it's called Nationwide Children's Hospital. And so we did this incredible program. And after that, it just took up so much work and so much of my time, I had to resign. And that was literally right at the same time of COVID. And um, in the middle of all this, when I left, so in 2015, I left agency work because the crisis line got put back onto the county, not onto, it wasn't a contract anymore for Mm. my agency. And I was scooped up by a, um, you know, profit, IOP, PHP for teens. And I became the assistant clinical director. And so I did that. And while I was doing that, then I got trained in EMDR because I saw like there, this is like trauma, 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 trauma. Oh, yeah. And um, so right shortly after that was when um, Route 91 happened. And then out here, I don't know if you heard about it, but we had, it was um, called the Borderline Barring Grill. It was um, a country Western bar. And every Wednesday night, they would have country, like college night. 
And this particular night, it was like right after Halloween, um, this guy came in and he started shooting up the whole place. I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. yeah. And so I worked very intensely with their employees and with families and um, with Route 91. I did the same thing with EMDR. And so that's really, I got very well known for EMDR in yeah. this area. Um, and so I got really busy and um, I was in that, the group practice with the, you know, IOP, PHP. I left yeah. there at some point and um, went into private practice and then started a group because I had an old student come to me and say, would you supervise me for my hours? And I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. it's going to take forever to get in private practice, but okay, sure. do that. Um, so she did, she didn't have a lot of hours left. And then I ended up hiring a couple other people and, but like over the course of the years, I just got burned out, you know, it's a lot to, and I was only supervising two people, but I kind of felt like in a sense, I had to micromanage them because I wanted to make sure their notes were signed because we're not insurance, but, or they're, you know, they're, they even wrote them and some people were really bad at writing notes. And so I'm like, I just really got tired of doing that. So yeah. actually very recently, um, my last employee left because she needed a full-time job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to hire anybody else. And I'm yeah. going to find something else to do. Um, I wrote, back in 2019, I wrote a six-hour course for suicide risk assessment. It's an online on-demand course. And so I get, you know, like quarterly money from that but that's not like substantial and so I'm like I don't want to write another course but I thought you know what everybody is doing these retreats and it's wonderful to go on a retreat but I find the retreats that I've been on you go and then you come home and you get back into your you know crappy schedule and running around and yeah burning yourself out so the retreat that I'm going to do is in May it's in Sedona in Arizona um, which is just such a healing place anyhow I'm going to, um, it's all about not only just resilience and renewal, but like, how do you carry that forward past the retreat? Coming up with specific strategies, you know, individual to everybody and being able to, and then like doing like a 30 day follow-up, you know, Zoom call. Yeah. And there's only 10, 10 people. I'm so far, I'm hearing from a lot of women. I have not heard from any men. So I think it's going to be all women, which is okay. And then we'll do, you know, a follow-up. And the idea is also to make connections that are meaningful, right. that you can continue having these connections, you know, because I, I, that's the other thing is you go to retreat and then sometimes like you never talk to these people again, but right, if the group right. is small enough, you're able to have that intimacy. And, and build actual meaningful connection yes. that can carry on past that. Yeah, I'll get into asking you a bit more about this retreat in just a second. I want to go back for a second because I too worked in crisis response teams after grad school. That was in addition to yeah. my full-time job. Um, the way ours was set up in New Orleans was, you know, they had people that were full-time on staff during the day. And then for the overnight shifts and the weekend shifts, it was contracted. And right, that's the way it, we had it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, it's a great service. We did very similar things to what you're talking about. And I'm curious for you, like as the supervisor, did you find yourself experiencing burnout then? Because you talked about like experiencing some of the burnout with 
stuff in the private practice even. And I know like for me, when I think back and I'm able to like reflect back on that work, there were a couple of calls that were pretty dicey that I went out on and like absolutely like had some of my own trauma from. And then even just getting like, you talk about like that 3 a.m. call, you know, we would be the first to get the call and then we would call our supervisor. And I remember having to like change my ringtone from that ringtone for a while (laughs) because it would, it would trigger something. And I, and my husband, like, like within a couple of years after that, like, I think we were still dating at the time and he had that ringtone and I was like, I need you to not use that because it would create this like response. And so I'm curious, how did you manage that yourself? Because it's, it's one thing when you're going out, but then like, you're also responsible for everybody that is going out. Did you have burnout in that? Cause I certainly did. You know what? It's interesting. So I, I had a different kind of burnout. I, I guess I don't even know how to explain it really because I, because for me versus my employees, right? Like you said, like the overnight people, it was just like an extra shift for them. Yeah. But they're still coming from a full-time job. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And having to get up, um, like it doesn't matter if the call's at 4 a.m., you're taking that call and you're having to get up to go to work at 7.30 in your other job. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so- um, you know, I, on the weekends when we didn't have someone to cover, I would cover on occasion. And I did find that I was way more exhausted, but I was also like 10 years younger, I think. Mm. <laughs> if I had to do that now, I could not do that now. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but the other thing is, is that like, I called, <laughs> I was thinking back on it and I think I was like this adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Because my, adrenaline was like always going and I was always on and I never really was able to sleep because I was always just waiting for that call to come, you know, and then you start functioning on this adrenaline. And so you're always going, right? So I think it was a different kind of burnout than this, because like, this is more, even though it's busy, it was still slower paced. And sure. Um, the clients that I have right now, thank God I only have two of these types of clients. Um, one is a suicide loss survivor. Her son died by suicide, but she saw it. The other one was um, uh, the husband passed away very suddenly. And other than that, I still have a lot of complex trauma, but now I'm I've been doing for like the last two years, Um, what's called intensive EMDR. Mm. So it's like seeing the clients, you know, for like a two hour intro and then three, three hour sessions, which is like the three hour sessions is a lot. I I like them because it's, there's more consistency and you get more done and you take a break in the middle, but it's still three hours. Sure. Um, And then it's like an hour of wrap up. So it's like 12 hours per client. And um, over the course of how much, much time it's you, it's either, if you do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's over the course of like a week and a half, but I do it only Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. So it's like two and a half weeks to okay. do that, but okay. it, you know, and if it's like a single event trauma, 
just like a car accident. They've never had a car accident before. It will get them through in the 12 hours. Okay. That's really rare to find that people have just like single incident traumas. Sure. But what it does do, it it will, that 12 hours will jump you ahead, like six mm -hmm. to eight months in therapy. Like if you were coming one time a week for one hour. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like that's the impact that that has yeah. the three, three hour sessions. So I, I really like doing it, but there was a period of time that I just was getting like so many calls. And of course, like most therapists, I have a bad time with saying no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like a boundary that I've really learned to set recently. Um, yeah. And luckily work has kind of slowed down now, pretty much in our whole area and in, in where I am in Westlake Village in Southern California, a lot of things have slowed down and things are just now starting to pick up again um, yeah. because October, I don't know if you found this, but like when I was in crisis, October and March were crazy times. Really? Yeah, that's when we saw the spikes. I mean, just like statistically, you can look yeah. at everything and it was, you know. Which is interesting. Like, what do you think that's about? Like, I'm thinking you know, like, okay, so it's going into like the winter months, it's coming out of it. Like, what's your assessment of that? Yeah, I think what we found is, especially with teens, it's about six to eight weeks after school starts. Sure. In October. And so that's kind of around the time of midterms and that starts to spike. Yeah. Um, and then of course that also spikes family crisis because then there's more, you know, crisis in the home just with the teen and yeah. more arguments and more problems and the teen being, you know, kind of more angry, resistant, yeah. whatever. Right. And then in March, it's kind of a similar thing is that's also like right around the time of midterms, but the same thing, it's like they come off of Christmas yeah. And um, they find that it maybe wasn't what they expected it to be and they didn't get what they wanted to get. And life isn't all cheery and rosy anymore. Sure. There's not like the hubbub of the holidays going on. Exactly. Yeah. And so that takes a little bit of time to set in. But yeah. once that sets in, it was that was like really the. the yeah. worst. So it's, I kind of feel like that's coming because October sure. starting. And I know that's why. A lot of people have said, oh, yeah, I'm starting to get busy again. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Now, with you doing like the EMDR intensives, do you know for yourself, like I can only handle so many clients that are like doing intensives at a time? Because I would imagine, you know, like for a, even if you're working with three different clients, like three sessions back to back can be a lot. Um, and if you're working yeah. with you know, a single person it, it, very intensely in their trauma that can be very heavy. Like, how have you found like what your, your number is or, you know, what you feel like you can tolerate? Yeah. I generally could do, um, three to four a week, okay. which is a lot because it's like, if I do two in one day, I'll do one in the morning, nine to 12, and then yeah. I'll take a two hour break and then I'll do sure. one two to five. Um, but then the next day, I just know that's when it hits me. I yeah. know that I need to have like an easier day. Sure. And sure. then the same thing. If I do that on Thursday, then Friday, I generally don't work. If I work, I only work until noon. 
Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, like I'll do my, I do EMDR consultation groups. And so I'll do my consultation groups on Friday morning um, or I'll do that also Monday afternoon, you know, yeah. week. so. So you've had to find kind of what works for you and like just assessing, yeah. it, you know, within yourself of like, okay, where is, where is the right amount so that I'm not burning out on even this work that. Yeah, exactly. Because the other thing is like, when I started doing this a couple of years ago, I had, I don't know, maybe like six or seven clients who had been with me for a long time and that I just couldn't go, oh, okay, I'm changing my the way I practice. Sure. Bye-bye. So I continued to see them and that kind of dropped down a little bit. But then what happened was is some of the intensives, and this is where I have to like really kind of do that math in my head, right? Yeah. Is some of the intensives go beyond the 12 hours. Sure. And so I need to realize that if I have a client that's going to be in an intensive going beyond the 12 hours, then I might have to put another intensive, like I can't do for a week. I can only, maybe yeah. do two, you know, right. Um, just so. trying to play the, the, the uh, juggling of schedule game of just making sure like that when you are putting people on your schedule, that it's like you said, you're not having two really intense days back to back. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter Comprehensive Connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug and send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. You shared a little bit about the retreat that you're going to have coming up in May. I know you were, you were sharing a little bit about your experience of, and I think a lot of us have had it where like we go to a conference or we go to retreat, right? Like we have this high and then like, okay, but we say we want to do this stuff and it doesn't happen afterwards. What do you feel like for somebody who is kind of thinking about like, oh, would a retreat be a good fit for me? Whether it's your retreat or another retreat, like what do you see as the benefits of the retreat itself? And then the potential with like what you're looking to do after what, what would that be beneficial for someone coming to attend? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because like for my retreat, I, I, and I've said this to a couple of people that I've already talked to that have signed up. It's like, you could, you do what you want to do while you're there. So mm -hmm. like this one is Thursday, late afternoon to Sunday morning. So it's really, we have Thursday night and all of Friday and Saturday. And on Friday, we're doing like a yoga. These people are coming to the house to do yoga with us. They have this oh, amazing deck on this Airbnb. So we're doing it there. And then the next day we're doing yoga and a hike. And it'll be some yoga, mm. meditation. And and like, if you don't want to go on the hike, then don't go. Like this yeah. is for you, right? To, so you could do what you want and like no judgments, no pressure, whatever. Um, and that's with any of the activities. And But some people need to just come, like they, they're telling me, 
because they are burned out and they just need a break. And so yeah. this will give them a good break, but it also will give them a chance to connect because yeah. I'm finding that a lot of people just really don't have connections where people understand what they're going through. Sure. You know? I mean, it's great to have, like, I have friends from 40 years ago, longer, 45, like, you know, from like, I have friends from high school and, yeah. um, which is great, but sh my, you know, my friend doesn't really get it in the same right. way that another therapist would get it. So I think it gives you that chance for connection different than if you just go to dinner with a therapist as a friend or whatever. Sure. Yeah. So, and it really is just a time for yourself for like, you have a lot of time to think about, you know, how your practice is or how your life is, you know, what needs to change that, and maybe nothing needs to change. Maybe everything's yeah. good. You're, you're just doing this like as maintenance. Like some people sure. go on retreats. I have a friend, she goes on retreats like three times a year, you know, to keep herself like refreshed and renewed. And so, yeah. 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 No, I, 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 I love your point, what you're saying about like being able to connect with colleagues in our field, because we are in a really unique position of the work that we do, whether it is agency work or private practice, it's, yeah. it's very, very unique and we can't talk about it in no. many ways with people. And we, we have this like common language, right? Like we have like our therapist speak so that like when people, people like who aren't therapists or social workers, you know, we start talking with them, you know, what do they tell us? Like, don't social work me, don't therapize me. Right. You know, I have a group of girlfriends that we went to grad school together and we can just talk about life or talk about the clinical work and they, I don't have to explain it. Whereas for other friends I do. And so, yeah. yeah, I think there is something nurturing and just an ease that even if you don't know the people on the retreat, like just being able to talk yeah. about, like, I feel exhausted from this work or I feel rejuvenated by this. You don't have to explain that probably to them because they get it. I know. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because, so I went on a retreat in January um, with four other women who I did not know. Like I knew of one of the women, but like we really hadn't connected or anything. And yeah, um, I always tease her like to this day because she's like a little hyper sometimes. And but now I get her. She is like mm. the funniest person with the kindest heart. And um, and we all the five of us kept in touch. Yeah. And if something, if someone like had a problem or a question, like we would just text the, all each other on the group chat. But yeah, one of the women actually lives in Michigan and she bought a lake house for a retreat house. Wow. And so actually I am leaving on Thursday morning because four of the five of us are getting together at her house to do oh, so cool. like a retreat. Yeah. Just like our own retreat, which is kind of one of those things that, you know, here's like these women that I met that I kept in contact with that they will be friends for life and sure. be able to do these kind of retreats with them. And we're actually doing like a work retreat. So we're going to be talking about also like what kind of retreats can we do together yeah. to put on as well. One of the things you and I were chatting about a little bit before we started to record that I'd love to kind of hear your take on is that I feel like in our field, 
we, we are good at knowing like we need training. We are good at knowing like, I, I need, I need my CEUs. I need to get them. Or like, if I'm going to spend money, like how is this going to help me in my practice? Right? Like, where can I like submit this to the board for approval? And there are some retreats that do offer continuing ed, but I'm curious your take. And I, I have my own perspective, but like why continuing education trainings and a retreat, right? Like why have them as separate? What's the value in, you know, people participating in something that has no like continuing education associated with it? Yeah. You know, it's funny because originally I was going to do some CEs with it. Yeah. And when I found out, cause I had already, my retreat was already launched. So okay. then I found out like all this rigmarole I have to go to, to change over like my website to this company's website and do all this stuff. Oh, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, that would literally take me weeks and yeah I don't have the energy for it and that's not yeah. the purpose of this retreat this retreat is supposed yeah. to be restorative um so no um but there are some retreats that yeah it's great that you get CEs like I'm doing sure. um also an Alaskan cruise that I just launched also in August which is for advanced EMDR skills and I oh, have wow. two other um EMDR consultants coming and they're going to participate in the, you yeah. know, in the trainings. Um, and that's great. And it's a cruise and it's wonderful. Yeah. Right. But this is really just to focus on yourself yeah, and to focus on your work-life balance. And a lot of people will go, Oh, my work-life balance is fine. Or if you say to them, like, what's your hobby? They don't have a hobby. Right. Right. You know, right. And so I think, you know, a lot of them were like, well, my kids, well, your kids aren't your hobby. Your kids are right. your responsibility. And that's like your right. everyday task of right, right. Your mom. Right. But um, like what what is that thing? You know? Um and we'll and we'll so preach to our clients about having hobbies. Like we'll tell them like you should have a hobby or do these things, but then we don't do it ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, even like some people do more quiet things. Like I, I used to do a lot of sports and activities and play tennis. I did karate. Um, my body is not in the place that it <laughs> that could withstand that stuff. So like, I like doing um, like either knitting or the hand knitting, you know, doing yeah. the chunky blankets that um, I like doing that. Um, right now I'm helping my husband with his new business, which I am loving because it's woodworking. Oh yeah. And so to, you know, to learn about that and yeah. really encourage women to, to sign up for that. Yeah. We have gotten so many women inquiring about it. It's a wood shop. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. It's very cool. So it's like where people don't have tools at home or they don't have place to do machines. They live in apartments, whatever sure. they could come to this wood shop and it's all the equipment is there for you to do everything. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, really kind of getting into that and, yeah, you know, for a while I didn't, when I was on the crisis team, I did not have a hobby. Um, it was too much. I actually went to a weekly meditation um, group mm. and I even had to give that up because it was like at 730 at night and it was about mm, 25 minutes from my house past where I worked, not like on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was exhausted. I'm not going to do that. I did that, you know, for a while. And I'm like, I just don't have it in me anymore. <laughs> right. Right. So. Well, and I love like what you were talking about, you know, where a retreat could be, you know, whether it is like you notice your burnout or you're feeling exhausted. And, and I, I always love the words like restoration, renew, like restore. Yeah. And, you know, I love, you know, you're talking about your friend who goes on the multiple times a year as a maintenance and, you know, like I've, I've worked with a therapist since I was in grad school and that has always been part of my self-care plan in the work that I do that like, yes, there was like some heavier stuff that we've gone through at different times, but once I've worked through that, I still meet on a monthly basis at least for maintenance for the exact same reason of like, this is a way of taking care of myself. And I think being mindful of that, that we like, it's heavy work that we do and we preach to our clients about self-care and we are so bad at truly taking the time for that. So whether it is a hobby or a retreat, like you're talking, like you're planning in May, I mean, those are real ways to truly restore, renew, refresh, like revitalize ourselves. And we need that. Yeah. And I just kind of feel also, it's like really a way of disconnecting from the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know people have their cell phones with them. I'm really going to encourage them to try and put them away. And, you know, before we even go like to set that as like an intention or a mindset. And obviously they don't have to, a lot of people have kids and they have to check in with them. And, um, you know, even if they don't have kids, maybe they want to check in with their spouse or or whatever. So, which I understand, but, but that's different than being on your phone 24 seven. Like my husband says glued to your face, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, I hope because that gives you such a different experience. Yeah. Um, When I've gone like on these day long retreats, um, or it's like a weekend retreat, but you go home at the end of the night and sure. you go back. Um, there's like no phones. It's a silent retreat. Yeah. Like a silent meditation retreat, which is like so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now I'm not in any place to lead something like that. But but it's just the fact of being able to really disconnect yeah. and how that's so different. And I know that makes people anxious a lot. Um because we are so connected. Yeah. <laughs> Overly so it's connected. Like, do you, you know, do what you got to do, do, do yeah. you, you know, um, yeah. whatever makes you feel comfortable, um, which is, you know, people are are asking me and emailing, well, what about this? And what about this? I'm like, there are no rules. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be food and there's a bed for you to sleep in. And there's a beautiful deck and places to hike and walk. And if you just want to do nothing and they have these like swings, just sit in the swings all weekend like that. But I know that people are coming to want to be able to participate. Sure. Uh, You know, and just doing some group, you know, activities in the beginning and um, really getting other people's input and idea of like, what do they do for self-care? Because everybody's we know everybody's different. So, right. Well, I love what you're doing with the, after the retreat piece of like recognizing that again, like we can have this very restorative weekend, but if we 
you know, we, we, the reality is we have to go back to life, right? Like, yeah. so we go back to life, but we're not implementing, you know, that's great, but that was a little bit of a bandaid. So I love that, yeah. like there's follow-up pieces and opportunities to like continue to connect and to put into practice what people are, you know, gaining or finding in that, that weekend together. I think that's really unique. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even if you, make one change like let's say you you're gonna you have like a list of things that you have to pick from and you just make one that's awesome or that you even tried to do one but like here's what I'm struggling with then you can put it out to the group in 30 days and let yeah you know kind of give you feedback on that so yeah so if listeners are interested in finding out more about their retreat or signing up where can they go to creativehealingretreats.com. And we will definitely have that linked in the show notes. And I think you have a special discount code for our listeners. Mm -hmm. Which is healing 200. So that will get them $200 off the cost of the retreat. And then the other thing, which I haven't said, but I, I think I had mentioned it to you is I'm going to be doing a retreat for moms at some point because yes. when I listed the re- this retreat, I had several people reach out to me saying, well, are you going to do one for non-therapists? <laughs> and all these people I know are moms and they have a lot in common. So I kind of thought, you know what, that's like a good thing to do, especially since yeah. like, I'm not, I mean, I'm a mom, but my youngest is 23 I have 23 20 he'll be 28 and then 32 so you're in a different phase than moms with young kids totally different phase so it's like a really good place for me to be to be able to run that because I have been there right but I'm not in it now so right right um, so you're not like trudging through trying like how do I guide people while I'm also suffering myself exactly exactly yeah Yeah. Um, So no, absolutely. Like, you know, once, once we, once that gets nailed down, we will definitely chat again to um, learn more about that and to get that out to listeners. Cause I know many, many of our listeners are moms of children at various ages. So, um, you know, being able to take time for ourselves is something that we are not good at, but it's also really hard to make that time. So I think sometimes when somebody else forces it by saying like, Hey, look, this is the date. This is the time. (laughs) Here's the place show up. It's like, okay, like now I don't have to think through some of the details. So that might be um, a great way to, to make that space for ourselves. Well, Noreen, I really appreciate you being here today to chat with me and to share, you know, about your experience and the work that you've done. And, and I feel like your experience with burnout and the intensity of the work you've done probably has helped lead you to where you are in saying like, I need to provide a space for other people, um, to, you know, to have that restoration. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us today. Thank you. I I have loved being here and talking with you. And I'm sure, like I said, we will chat again as we, uh, learn more about some of the other upcoming retreats you have. That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. 
And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.